Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam Magoodis. Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show. We discuss a team picked anywhere between 35 or 50 games this season. Your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is October 5th, 2016. On today's episode, a fellow writer at truthaboutit.net, Troy Halliburton, joined me for a lengthy discussion about Washington Wizards Media Day. We break down Scott Brooks. John Wall and Bradley Beal, we parse their quotes from Media Day, what we have for expectations of all three of those main players of this team upcoming as John Wall and Bradley Beal enter their fifth season together. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) Anyway, here is part one of my conversation with Troy Halliburton. Troy what is up, dude? How are you doing, man? Man, just living, man. This is the life right here. Sunday night football. Cold beverage in her hand. Yes, uh, for the, for those wondering, uh, I am at Troy's place here in uh, Upper Northwest. What is actually your technically neighborhood called? Upper North Petworth? Uh, yeah, and this is uh, this is the Fort Totten region. Fort Totten region. Fort Totten. There we go. We're, we're keeping it real here in the 202. Uh, <laughs> your summer? Summer's been going. It's now great. officially fall, so uh, we, this will be the last time I ask someone how their summer is. I feel like once October, once Halloween hits, like summer's over, right? Like, yeah, man, summer summer's been over. I'm ready to get into uh, some some fall layered uh, clothing. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm just ready for it to stop fucking raining. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a terrible weekend, man. But I, I, able to be on my old man vibe, just sitting Netflix and chill all weekend. Chill, chilling all weekend. Yeah, I unfortunately was was out a little bit too much in this weather, watching a bunch of shitty college football yesterday. Good games, but my team lost. Iowa got uh, got beat, oh, so I did, I did not enjoy that. Nebraska did hold on, and this, that Clemson game was pretty exciting. Oh, that, that was amazing. Night. That was amazing right there. Lamar Jackson down to the end. I yeah. thought he was going to pull it up. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, the quarterback started slow, but they really, they really came on there at the end. But this is not a college football podcast, <laughs> Troy. It is the Washington Wizards. The Wizards. The Wizards. Uh, it is was media day there on Monday. Training camp has has officially begun in Richmond. They have been there all week, a Tuesday through today, possibly. I don't know when they come back. Yeah, I think today was the last day. The last day. Yeah. So they'll be coming back. They have a preseason game here at the Verizon Center on Tuesday. But media day was last Monday. A good time to talk to all these players, ask them goofy, funny questions. This is my sixth or seventh media day, so I'm a grizzled vet. 
So I have my own opinions on the media day tour, but this was your first media day. So this is why I wanted to have you, you know, the grizzled vet, you're, you're the newbie here for media day. How was, how was your experience there? And the it, it, it felt great to uh, pop the media day cherry. Uh, I mean, it was literally everything that I expected. I'm glad that, uh, apparently some new changes happened. They put, uh, you know, Wall and Bill in the interview room. So you don't have to work with the, the scrum of all the reporters and cameras trying to get to them. But uh, no, I mean, it was a it was a great experience getting a chance to talk to everybody and you know see how this season's going to play out. Anything stand out from it? It is organized, unorganized chaos in a way. No, I think that uh, the thing that stood out was uh, these guys with the clipboards going around telling everybody, "Oh." <laughs> That's it. No more questions. No more questions. Yeah, they're, they're ushering people through different uh, stages of media day. Yeah, they set up stations and they go around and they're taking photos for NBA and taking photos for Getty Images. A lot of monumental stuff, internal stuff. They didn't have as many as years past, but they had enough to annoy me where I tried <laughs> to get some players and somebody in Clipboard who's not, I don't recognize them, they're a monumental employee. And then, then they take away, I think it was Thomas Sandoransky, and I was like, who the hell is that? And then I look over and they're they're doing a selfie stick, a selfie tweet mirror thing for Sandoransky. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I have not even talked to this guy ever. He just came from Europe. Can I ask like more than two minutes of this dude before you do some stupid promotional <laughs> thing that has nothing to do with anything? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there, there's my media beef that no one really cares about. <laughs> what they do care about is this basketball team. It was a good look to see everyone in their uniforms. It's It's optimistic. You know, it's a new day. Everyone's fresh. Everyone's, you know, they've lost 15 pounds. Everyone's in the best shape <laughs> of their lives. Everyone's ready for a fresh start, a new beginning. We're going to get in each individual player, but anyone that comes to mind that was either more cliche than normal, or maybe you saw a player, like, I thought Otto looked a little bigger. I think Bradley yeah, looked a little bigger. I'm not going to go as far as uh, Steve Buckhans, you know, <laughs> and, and <laughs> talking about his anatomy and his broad shoulders. But there was, you know, guys look a little slimmer here and there. Yeah, no, I think that uh, a lot of the players uh, definitely made a concerted effort to come into the season in the best shape of their lives. And uh, John Wall being one of those players, even though he had the, uh, the two minor, quote-unquote, uh, operations on his knee this summer, I think that, uh, you know, he really, you know, made a concerted effort to come in in the best shape, which is weird because how as a professional athlete do you not come in in your best shape every year? But that's neither here nor there. But, no, I think uh, Bill... Well, he was great. definitely not in his best shape last year. He definitely. had one of the worst, worst months, starts of his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The stats prove it, too. Yeah, I know, I know. He probably needs to uh, stay off the Ben's Chili Bowl or whatever it is that uh, is his uh, gluttony of choice. Otto looks like he's been hitting the weight room. Uh, I was uh, very impressed with uh, Mahimi. He's he's a really big guy. Like, yes. Yeah, he's a, an official seven footer for sure. Mar- Markeith even looked like he came in in pretty good shape too. Mm-hmm. Well, it all begins with with the coach. It's, it began with Scott Brooks talking to to the media in the interview room, and he talked for almost a half hour. I have not transcribed all the quotes. You know your normal stuff of you know he's excited. For the new season, you know, all these new players. You know, he took a year off of coaching. I think I asked him that. You know, what what he learned. He mentioned he went over to Spain and saw Sadoransky play randomly. Picked up a lot of things along the way, but also can see a sense of excitement that he was really excited for this new chance, this new opportunity. Aside from just the players talking about, you know, whether it be Trey Burke, whether it be you know Yamahimi signing the contract, 
Thomas Adoransky, like we mentioned, coming over from Europe. All mm-hmm. these guys individually have something to prove. You know, maybe even Marcus Thornton on a one-year deal. You know, these guys are fight, you know, fighting for the two roster spots that we're going to talk about here, uh, you know, coming up in a little bit. So I can sense this, you know, this new staff and this fresh thing, and he's got some talent and how he's going to all put it together. I still don't, haven't really got some good answers on that. I asked him about, I think, no, I did not ask him. I wanted to ask him. Somebody else got to the question, so I didn't want to repeat it, about what this team is. Like, who is their identity? And me and Rashad mentioned this on, you know, a couple of podcasts before. I have not got a sense of what this team really wants to be. I did ask John Wall what he thought it would be, and, and he said, you know, defense. And the way the question was asked, you know, last year it was, you know, pace and space. Mm-hmm. We're going to run, change it up. You know, Whitman was, you know, before that, you know, previously we're going to you know, be the bad boys and we're going to have all these bigs and brews and play in this defense. And, and the thing is, it, the calling card was the defense. I mean, under Whitman, you know, unfortunately fell off the fell off the cliff last year. But the two years prior, yeah. they made the playoffs. They, they were top five, yeah. top ten defensive in the league. And that's really what their calling card was. I've not got a sense of what this – team's identity or where it's going to be. And maybe they don't even know the answer to that. Brooks said defense. Of course, you know, once again, when someone asked, when the answer to the question was, you know, what are you guys going to be? What do you want to do? You know, because we want to run. Everyone wants to run. Everyone yeah. wants to play defense, rebound, hustle. But I haven't got a sense of, like, you know, what is the style going to be? You know, what are the options going to be? You know, obviously, I think you're going to play to the strengths of John Wall. Of course. But, of but, course. but this isn't Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. What does Scott Brooks really want to do with this mix of players that that you know, he talks and sings these praises as Ernie's brought around. What did you get a sense of his answers, and what do you think this team is maybe going to try to be or do with the makeup the, the roster is constructed for them? I like the fact that he's keeping an open mind as far as you know, not trying to label as you know what this team is going to be exactly, especially since he's only gotten a chance to work with them for a week right now. I think that. Uh, you know, he's going to keep all of his options open and make sure that, you know, he's going to work to the strengths of his players. And I think that he understands that this team had a lot of success 14, 15, and, uh, and in 15, 16. No, no, that was last season. He uh, realized that they had a lot of success uh, playing, you know, with a high-intensity defensive style. Wall was, you know, at his best as far as on the defensive end, you know, this team had a lot of success. So I think that he's probably going to emphasize that. But he also uh, will bring, you know, a lot of new and fresh ideas when it comes to uh, offense and, you know, flow of offense. And, you know, I wouldn't say that he is, you know, Brad Stevens when it comes to analytics, but he sounds like he's a lot more open to the concept of analytics uh, being applied to basketball in this day and age, way more so than Randy Whitman, who kind of was living in the dark ages when it comes to analytics. Oh, Whitman ball, Whitball. <laughs> Whitball, long two ball. It's hard because obviously I'm going to give Scott Brooks a chance. I and mean, I think all people, all fans should, everyone wants to give him a chance. You're going to see what he plays out before. You know, I break out the, the criticism and the knives. <laughs> like I talk about why we did not interview any other candidates, uh, I, you know, and stuff like that. And giving him all the big money, $35 million, which is a big investment, especially when I don't know if this front office is really get, if they disappoint this year too, does the front office get a stay and the co- they fire the coach too? Then you're on the, you're on the hook for that. Uh, so there's a lot of questions. I don't want to go in those negative hypotheticals. <laughs> So I want to give him a fair shake. And the quote that he says that's really funny is Ernie Grunfeld, who I mentioned, has put a great team together 
And he also some pandering. DC is is one of the best sports towns in America. <laughs> I know like he's never spent a weekend yeah, in DC. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but the positive I believe with with, with Brooks is he's going to be a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And, you know, a new voice. Ralph Wesley on my last podcast, he mentioned that the Wizards PA answer. If you have not listened to that podcast, go go listen. It's a very good interview. But he mentioned that uh, Randy about uh, Woodman and Kyle Weedies mentioned that as well. Time for you know, a change. We all knew it, but just a new voice. You know. Gortat was done. Bradley Beal was done. I don't know how much John Wall. I think Wall respects whoever's in authority here and there. But you know, he, he needs somebody maybe different in his in his ear, thinking about basketball at different points. Because we saw the limits of where Randy could take this team. His crusty nature. So I believe Brooks is going to be a breath of fresh air from fans listening to him. You know, he did a Twitter Q and A for his first day as a coach. I mean, can you imagine trying to get Randy Whitman to do a Twitter Q and A? Oh my goodness! You man. know, <laughs> Whitman tried to get on social media. It's like Monte Ellis typing <laughs> on the keyboard. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that being more accessible and be in realizing that this is part of the job. You know, being a face where Randy Whitman was still stuck in like the Bobby Knight. Like, hey, I'm gonna out here teach these guys, give my ass, make them play hard and respect. That, the rest of this, I don't really care about. You know, F you, I have a flip phone, I don't care. <laughs> At the end of the day, it is still what Randy Whitman's saying. It's still what Scott Brooks is going to be evaluated if they win or not. Right. But there right. is a thing of, okay, well, not if they win or not, but explain to me why you're not winning. Be more accessible what it is and helps fans and people understand and just be like, my, my way or the hell highway. How, why are you bothering me with these like, questions <laughs> about why we're not shooting up threes? Well, yeah. you know, like, how dare you ask me about a play at the end of the game? I mean, I stopped asking many women questions. Sorry I asked you what you did down three with ten seconds left in the game, what play you drew up. And then you'd be, like, incredulous that, that I had asked, like, this simple, normal question. So me as a journalist and me as covering these games, I'm hoping for a different approach from Scott Brooks. Now, he does give some political answers just like anyone else. Yeah, in the, I, in the I think he's, uh, he's definitely been a much more personable person than uh, what Whitman showed over the last few years. You know, even then, you know, Scott Brooks is short time here you know he's a uh, you know kind of gone out of his way to at least appease the media in a sense as far as you know answering the questions giving straightforward answers but literally we haven't had any games to you know really judge him off of so the, all, all of the questions are easy easy right easy now. ones yeah. right now everything's great everyone's great everyone's awesome DC's Every, awesome. everything's everything's great, great. Everything's great oh, right now great. We'll, we'll see how he's feeling around Christmas you felt going into this media day that there was two main storylines that were definitely going to be asked by Pretty much every player, everyone. The main one was the reports, the John Wall tension between Wall and Beal. Right. That right. made the national media go back to that podcast with Rashad Mobley. You probably won't like it. I went off on a whole rant about that for <laughs> another hour. But there is stuff in there that I, th- I think that was informative. Now, the reason I bring this up, Brooks was ready for this question. I thought he gave a pretty good answer. He said, if you have a team that bickers with one another constantly, you don't have a good team. If you have a team that never has any disagreements, you don't have a good team. That means you don't care. There's a balance. I thought that was very introspective. Very, very. I mean, I mean, literally. It's true, right? In every organization, like your work, your job, family. If you ain't fighting, come on now. But if all you're doing is fighting all the time, then it's this. Then you can't be overall productive. Exactly. You got to find that uh, happy medium. You know, he put it into a perspective that should. Have Wizards fans uh, walking back off that cliff. The whole John Wall, Brad Bill situation was blown way out of proportion. You know, just like he said, like, of course, you know, these are two alpha male athletes. They're going to, you know, have disagreements from time to time. But I don't think there's been any any indication over the last few years that these two cannot coexist in this city as, you know, two superstar players. I agree. And then the other one 
was the national anthem and the protest with the NBA. Of course, of course. Okay, and, and we were seeing, I think there was a preseason game that Toronto locked arms. Yeah, I haven't seen anything yeah. last night. I haven't seen anything else. Did the Warriors do anything? Did anyone? No, no, have you seen anything else? They, they didn't do anything. But, uh, yeah, the Toronto, they, they locked arms. And I think that, uh, you know, that During the Canadian anthem and the American yeah. anthem. And I think that kind of goes into uh, the approach that all of the Wizards players were taking uh, at Media Day when yes. this question was brought up. Oh, oh really the, was the PR of, staff totally had, they had their talking point. You know, oh, they had, Kudos to the PR staff. Yeah, they, they talking point boot camp. Yeah, and, and what, what was the talking point? Yeah, to a man, they said whatever decision that they make, they will make as a team. They will sit down whether they do anything or whether they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, they wanted to make sure that. You know, they did it as a team and that they can't that they had a unified front. And literally at this point, like that is the best answer that you can give. Mm-hmm. The regular season being a month away, you know, you never know what the, you know, political climate or you never know when the next uh African American man is gonna get shot and killed. So I mean I think that, you know, depending on what happened going what forward? City, exactly. Where, where was, what, I mean, Charlotte popped off. Exactly. I mean, that like that, that yeah. has a, a big impact as far as what each player is going to do or how far they're willing to take their protests. Mm-hmm. And I think that, but it's a good thing though that they are coming in on a, a on a unified front when it comes to it. And I think you know Bradley Bill, he's already been uh, outspoken. Uh, he was one of the first you know major sport athletes to uh, actually put up a post about. You know, everything that's going on. And, you know, I thought, you know, that was a very uh, bold of him. And, you know, it shows a lot of courage and it shows that, you know, it's something that really matters to him. So I think that, you know, all of the Wizards players, you know, to a man, they, you know, they displayed the fact that they understand what's going on. They're very conscious of the things that are going on around them. And if they are to do something, it will be unified and as a team and will have meaning and hopefully have an impact on things that are going on. And and that, that piggybacks into to Brooks's quote, which another one I thought was really well, is, is he said when they asked him about the National Anthem protest, he said that he has talked to the players, that they're going to do something as a team, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And he also says, you know, I believe in peaceful protests, but I also believe if you're going to peacefully protest, you have to have some action behind it. Our guys have an incredible impact. And so his point is, you know, it's one thing to do something. Are you going to put your money behind it? Are you going to put your time behind it? Are you going to, you know, is there a specific thing that you, you know, a policy that you want changed? Is there something that you, some, some type of thing you want to advocate? It's not just like, all right, I'm going to put some black socks or purple socks or put something over and that's just it like oh I believe in here's my hashtag yeah some like hashtag activism if you want to go to that (laughs) where where I know that that sometimes is you know in a pejorative sense but there is not just be you know it's it's easy to go tweet some stuff another thing to go you know to go put your time and put your confront people to do things that you think that maybe you know can impact or change people's mindset of a cause that you actually care about or you just jump on this cause because it's popular because it's popular it's a thing to do now right yeah no I think that uh, you know that that's very valid and I think that the Wizards are in a good position when it comes to that because the leader of this team is John Wall who has built up a pretty good track record over the last few years as a person who is very much about action and not just words when it comes to having an impact on his community. dollars, winning awards. Exactly. No, he, he puts in the time, the money, the effort, you know, literally everything that he can to make sure that, you know, he's making an impact on this D.C. community. 
Now let's talk about John Wall. John Wall comes up. He talks. He was pretty funny. Made some funny comment at the beginning. Maybe I'll play that here on the podcast. Everyone listening to this knows the question of John Wall. What's the name of the question? How's your knee? How's, how's, the, how's, knee? how's, how's, how's the knee? You know, he has a surgery. doesn't play in the Team USA, which he would have made the team and had a gold medal. Right. Because of the knee. He has these videos where he's he's rehabbing his video. He's calling it. I don't know what he's calling it. The comeback <laughs> or something. And he has some hashtag of it. He's doing a whole documentary of his, his comeback. His knee, the status is that he's a little bit above... Ahead of schedule, I think. I, I mean, I have a pessimist to take me. Rashad basically had him out for like the first couple months of the season. Yeah, I think yeah. that maybe we, Pierce, reading through the tea leaves, that it isn't going to be that. He's participating in training. We're going to talk about training camp a little bit. We can mention it now. He's participating in team activities. Yeah, no five uh, on five yet. But no but. five on five. So a lot better than him just watching and shooting. So yeah. those are positives. He's now jumping off on the right foot. So now he can dunk with both hands instead of just his left hand, which is pretty incredible that he's been doing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just tells you about his athleticism that he's been dunking just only solely off his left hand and still had one of the best uh, seasons in, in franchise history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, Wall is a, you know, a super freak athlete. I honestly believe that the fact that he finished almost all of last season, literally up until they, the Wizards were eliminated from the playoffs. The fact that he's working out now, he's able to play, you know, a little bit, do do some things in training camp. I think that kind of bodes well for his uh, potential of uh, playing to start the season. Don't know whether there will be any after effects or lingering effects that will cause him to, you know, not be at 100%. I think that he will be okay, and I hope that this, you know, medical staff won't force the issue but um, I think it's very important that John Wall is leading the helm to start the season. I agree. He is the franchise. Now, what is the second question you ask? It's going back to what I said. The, just the content, the report against Bradley Beal. His answer is similar to what he had given before uh, you know, in some of his... It's almost the same answer that he gave in the actual interview because those answers he gave... God, I'm going to go back to what I long before. <laughs> but there was nothing really eye-popping of it, aside from yeah. what he said, like, we sometimes don't like each other. And, like, that was the quote that was... Everybody... And, like, last yeah. on. But, like, every other thing he was saying on that thing was pretty normal. So he basically just says, you know, we're two competitive people. Whenever you have your two best players, they want, those, they want the game-winning shot, those type of plays. We're going to have disagreements on the court. But other than that, we're fine. We talked about it. We're both two grown men. We don't dislike each other. It's just at times, any tandem that has great players and two great players that want to be great, we're going to have disagreements from time to time. But other than that, we're fine. People always want to put words in your mouth and make it seem like it's worse than it was. We all knew Brad was going to get paid a certain contract, and he deserved it. I think that Wall has been outspoken so much about these uh, contracts of Reggie Jackson. And come on, dude. Like... Think about your job. Everyone listen to it. Think about your job. Your job. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, ah, man, like, I get paid this thing. And then all of a sudden, you're a lot better than someone else on your team, but, like, their contract's up before your contract's up. And then now yeah. there's more money. Now the company's making more money. And then now they're like, ah, we have more money, new money. Oh, yeah, we already locked you in at this price. Now this guy gets a lot more, even though, like, ah, right, well, I'm still, like, the most, the one that's number one in sales. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there isn't a commission base. Yeah. And so, I can, so there would be a natural discontent, but I don't think it's anything that any other players on all these other teams aren't feeling. If yeah. They see the money being thrown around. I mean, you got Tyler Johnson getting eighty million dollars, seventy million dollars. Bismack Biombo can't even make a free throw, getting eighty million dollars. <laughs> 
You know, Evan Turner can't shoot a three, and he's making seventy million dollars, even though the league's going to threes. I and mean, we can go down the list. Yeah, but, but good for them because the owners are making a shit ton of money too. I always want to always emphasize that when people just talk about what the employees and the owners are getting. I mean, this is baked in the cake with with the uh, labor agreement that the percentages because the pie is going up, so now there's more money going to the owners as well. Exactly. Which nobody really mentions that, but that's the truth of the matter. But then those other people have been locked into certain deals. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Wall's going to get his money, and I think he actually infers that yeah. at all. But I, I think the biggest thing is uh, is their perception. So if we're looking at this whole situation in a yes. vacuum, like you're talking about anybody's work situation, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have people on Twitter talking about yeah. it, and commenting, I, yes. and all of these outside factors, you know, news publications about it. I yeah. think that that is the thing that kind of is eating at Wall. The fact that you know there are a lot of players who are around him. Um, whether they're in the locker room or around the NBA, there's a report that says you're jealous of James Harden. For ex- example, exactly. I mean, <laughs> but it, it's it's really gotten to the point that you know he probably is on an unfair contract, but I think that you know he's probably letting a lot of the outside noise and chatter kind of influence you know how he's feeling about his current status. He it, it's probably you know uh, something that's going on with him dealing with uh, you know his. His shoe contract and you know the, the Colin Cowherd stuff like he he really honestly probably feels like he's being slighted a little bit for him being the perennial All Star that he has proven to be in his mind and in a lot of other, other people's minds he is you know one of the top you know twenty players and commodities as far as you know being able to uh, and sell tickets and. You know, getting different endorsements, or he should be in his mind, mm-hmm. but it really hasn't materialized like that so is over this, the last is that, few years. Is that why, like, so Steph Curry, for example, is underpaid? He signed that contract. Yeah, yeah. So we don't hear, we don't get articles or reports about like a billion-dollar Under Armour deal. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's the difference. It makes him sleep a lot better at that, night. Maybe that's but, the difference, right? But there's no articles being like Steph Curry is making this much, and you know this other guy is making more, like. Fuck, Harrison Barnes just got eighty million dollars, right? Yeah, and, yeah. No, granted, he, Steph Curry knows he's going to get his, and they, but we don't see these articles or these things. Maybe Steph Curry's more diplomatic about it than maybe John Wall has been a little bit more candid. Where in the if you're listening to John Wall talk, you don't think it's a big deal, but we see those quotes, like, yeah. like how they how they highlight them. It's a lot harsher. In, in, on the pixels, on the iPad, on your phone, that it actually is when you actually listen to it. Yeah, no, definitely a, a lot harsher because I don't think John Wall is losing any sleep over any no, of these things no, at night. No. But I, I honestly do think he probably does feel slighted with the fact that, you know, he doesn't have the major endorsements, the, the Foot Locker deals, the Sprite deals, the, the shoe deals that, mm-hmm. you know, some of his peers, as far as you know, perennial all-star players in the NBA have. It's a, it's a very minor complex that, you know, he's dealing with, but I don't think that he in any way, shape, or form has let it affect his performance on the court. And really, at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? And he had mentioned that uh, a few times in this thing. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to get mine eventually when I'm up. Of course, I'm going to be like, that's here, right? Exactly. That's in D.C., right? Yeah, that's a whole other story for a whole other year. But <laughs> so, so then he asked this question, or someone asked him that question about Beal, and then I wasn't done with the question. I wanted more about like, the perception, the national media. So I asked this question. But then when I was asking it, I dropped in the whole Cowboys jersey thing that had just happened. Yeah. Wall cuts me off <laughs> on the question because I was going to be like, now this national media, you're getting barrage about caring about James Harden money, Beal, 
you know, now you're fighting with Beal, and then now you're a sellout to the DMV because you're wearing Cowboys jerseys at, at the, you're a terrible person, even though I, or whatever people want to say, <laughs> it's a number one story, it's on PTI, all this stuff. So I was trying to ask that question. He cuts me off. He's very and, direct and, with and, that. He literally cuts me off. He goes, ah, oh, quote, that didn't bother me at all about the Cowboys stuff. Every time I saw Cowboys, I get the biggest booze in the arena. And he's talking about on the Jumbotron, he, over the years, he'd say he's a Cowboys yeah, fan. Right, right. And I'm fine with that. I wasn't really upset about that at all. And then he went in and gave some answer about, you know, Beal and the media's going to write what they don't write or whatever he said. Now, I'm sitting next to a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to watch Big, the game today? So that's, you know, everyone's... everyone's uh, yeah, man. There, uh, there are a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans in the D.C. That is, that is true. So. Someone on Twitter someone on Twitter made that comment. Like, all oh, these people getting mad at Joe Wise. Like, half the people out here exactly. are Cowboys fans. Literally, literally half of the people. Literally and half of from, the Wizards are Cowboys. Yes, that's what so. said too. He's like, how's it any different than anything? Yeah, no. Nah, what did you think of the jersey thing? I, 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 at first, I made some comment. I thought it was bad PR move by him in the sense that all this stuff, all this negative stuff is going out. And Ben Stanley's yeah. like, who cares? What do you care, Adam? I was like, because usually I defend John Wall on everything. Yeah, And yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. But I can see why this is going to rub people the wrong way, and they're not yeah. going to understand it. And the fact that you have a Emmitt Smith, you're not just going to the game because he's gone to the Cowboys games before. He's been outspoken to be a Cowboys fan. But it's a little bit different when you and Des Bryant are doing like doing like shakes on yeah. the sideline. <laughs> they just have like handshake, and you're in the Emmitt Smith. You're on the sideline, and everyone's filming you and then now that's the yeah. story I think, I whereas think, Markeith Morris who's a Cowboys fan yeah. I asked him about this at media day and he basically was like oh man it's stupid you know, everyone's not going to be anything and I was like you're from Philadelphia how are you a Cowboys fan <laughs> so that's actually so John yeah. was from Raleigh it's actually worse, now, worse. I, I did not want to bring that up to Markeith Morris I did kind of mention like well you're from Philly <laughs> You know, I don't know an Eagles fan, so I didn't care about that. But he's like, I had a Cowboys jersey on too, man. But he just take a photo of it. Exactly. And, uh, and, uh, exactly. He was he was a sweet cheer for the Cowboys. Now he did put a photo out. Yeah, and yeah. said like I was at the game, go Cowboys, and he had cheered for the Cowboys before. Well, you know, I know maybe it's a little conflicted because you're a Wizards Cowboys fan, so it's a little <laughs> little bit different. But much to do about nothing. Do you think John Wall does? It doesn't really matter. No, I think it, literally this is much to do about nothing. I think that the. The, the whole perception of the matter is was blown way out of proportion. You know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Redskins, they, they didn't really start off the season too hot. And the people oh, they, are, oh, they, they lost the game and after exactly, Moore scored exactly. a winning touchdown that opened the running back. Exactly. I mean, there so was just an avalanche of bad stuff that was happening. You got to look Kirk at Kirk Cousins threw a pick in the zone. <laughs> so when, when things aren't going your way, you start pointing at all different ancillary factors that have no uh, effect on what's going good on. Good point. Good point. So if the Redskins win this game, and oh, nobody's, nobody's nobody saying anything about, about it. John nobody cares. No, nobody right. cares. It, but because they lost. And so was, John Wall ends up being a little scapegoat because he's so visible being a Cowboys fan. Exactly, and because I think another thing you were talking about, Markeith Morris, you know, he he literally was traded at the trade deadline, so he's still you know kind of getting assimilated to DC culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas John Wall is kind of a you know native adopted son yeah. at this point, especially since uh, you know RG three left and Bryce Harper's kind of having a down year. He literally is the face of DC sports right now. That's so, true. So you know it, it, it probably burns. It, it, probably burns. Burns. Yeah, it yeah. burns. It burns. Yeah. It burns. Yeah. It burns. 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 It burns.
for a lot of Redskins fans. And also, I mentioned Beal shared a photo of Elliot. Yeah, but he's from St. Louis. And Beal's, a, I don't know if he's still a Rams fan, but he probably still rocks. I don't know how that works now. I should ask his brother. <laughs> he should, he still should rocks rocks them. I asked yeah. his brother, like, still rocking the Rams now they moved to LA? Because you barely wanted to be a Rams fan because they <laughs> brought you misery, but now they, they left town and you're still rocking oh, the Rams. They probably jumped off the bandwagon <laughs> so fast, so fast. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, people were even, you know, talking stuff to Bill on Twitter and Instagram about him having a post about Ezekiel Elliott, his, uh, you know, his bro from St. Louis. You know, you, it, it's a terrible day and age where you can't even support, you know, the team that you grew up rooting for or support your friends that you have, people that you have become acquainted with and probably maybe work out with or do mm-hmm. things with you. And you're going to support your friends, whether, you know, they play for the hometown team or not. Well, that was what Ben Sandig, his comeback to me, uh, Comcast, friend friend of the podcast, uh, <laughs> frequent guest, he basically said that Deshaun Jackson is a Lakers fan, and when he go he goes to the Lakers-Wizards game. Oh, man. And I said, but he's a little, I don't remember Deshaun Jackson wearing a Kobe jersey in the front row, though. That's what my point was. I was like, I, was like, I, don't, I don't know, does a Redskins game go to these games and sit in the front row with the jersey of the other team? I mean, maybe? I couldn't think of one offhand. Yeah, no, I... I, I think that was, that was it was a little bit different to me. Like I said, it's not that big of a deal, but I can see why... You can see why there'd be a little bit of backlash when you're that... Yeah, no, I, like I said, I really... Outward, think, outwardly rubbing it in their face, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, no, that, that, oh, that definitely was rubbing the pot <laughs> Emma Smith, Emma Smith. Yeah, <laughs> Emma Smith jersey to the Redskins-Cowboys game. I mean... If him and Tony Romo had photos, oh too, like, that would have been... we're going to keep uh, John Wall far away from Tony Romo and all of his bad injury luck. Sponsor time, that is right. I have a sponsor, Sneakis, S-N-E-K-I-S dot com, DC, DMV, sports apparel. Go hook your friends up, hook your girl up, hook your family up. It's hoodie season. They got a lot of cool designs that everyone would enjoy. In the process, you help support Wizards Independent Media. And at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Leave some comments on their Twitter, their Facebook. Let them know that you found their site and their cool designs from this show. Now, back to the podcast. So let's go to Bradley Beal. He shows up in the interview room. He talks for a while. You know, typical questions. I guess what's a good... His question on John Wall thought was was funny. Someone, someone asked him... So one, one deadpan. He goes, <laughs> someone asked him his relationship with John Wall. He goes, it's great. How do you think it is? And, yeah, not, and then he paused for the laugh. Yeah, that was the same. Yeah. <laughs> that was, That's uh, one of those moments where if you were in the room, the pause, like how he said it, I mean, it was it was pretty much perfect. Kind of really tells the story of how their relationship really is. Like the whole nonchalantness of his answer. We're making a big deal out of it and he's probably laughing on the inside about it. And that's why he gives like the so the, the simple, concise, direct answer. Yes. You know, it's great. How do you guys think it is? Knowing that you know, the members of the media are the one driving this narrative and this story. Whatever he says really doesn't matter because media members are going to, you know, write how they perceive that relationship to be. So I honestly believe that, you know, him, you know, kind of just getting out in front of it, just saying, you know, that it's great and really putting on the perfect PR face is I mean, I really I don't even think it's a PR face because there's a genuineness about the things that he's saying that really makes me believe that I don't think there is an issue. Like, it's it's literally two teammates who are alpha dogs who probably don't get along as 
you know, on every situation, on every play on the court. But at the end of the day, I believe that they are both focused on the same goal and that, you know, their relationship, you know, is still probably building and can get better going forward. Well, their individual success and their team success are going to be conducive on both of them playing well together. Completely, completely. And, they, and, they, and John Wall's going to get the other contract and Bradley Beal's going to finally be an all-star. Is this team going to finally win 50 games? All of this is basically based upon the relationship between relationship. those two. And they both know that. They're not stupid. And, and I don't see anything where it is... They haven't had those things. This isn't a Westbrook and a Durant situation. This right. isn't... I mean, who else? T.O. and his situations down there with McNabb, maybe. Like, there hasn't been success. Really. Shaq like, and Kobe. Yeah, Shaq and Kobe. They won titles, so it's yeah. a little different. There isn't, you know, that's a good example, where there isn't this just personality stuff that's so much, because they, they have this orbit of, we've been to the mountaintop. Now, mm-hmm. I want to build my own mountain, because they've been there. Exactly. These guys have got just a little taste of success. And success, because we went to the second round of the playoffs. It's not even, wow, you, you made the final eight in the NBA. There's no success in this in this game of 32 teams. I mean, in, in this in this industry, yeah, it's like oh, well, I've made some All Star games. He's you know he can has a little you know Beal showed some talent, but he hasn't proven it for for 82 games because of the injury factor. Now I talked to Markeith Morris about this. Uh, one, I don't know if you get a chance to listen to any other players about this this topic. Let's just talk. Let's just finish this fucking topic. And, and, yeah. And, 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 and Markeith, it was funny because like when I'm gonna ask Markeith this question. You know, Markeith had a little run in. It, it was some players throwing stuff at him. Oh, oh yeah, 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 right? It was like close <laughs> he, so, he knows about beef between the, in yes. the locker room. So I feel like he was the best person to ask, right? So, I, of course, I frame it just, I mean, just a softball on the tee. It's like, well, listen, I know you have your seat. We're not going to relitigate that. I'm not going to bring that up. <laughs> but I also want to recognize, yo, dude, I don't, I don't believe this stuff. And I say it like that. I was like, yeah, hey, we, what is perception of what you see these media reports and then what you know as teammates and you being around them? And when you read this and see this and what everyone's like tweeting at you or talking about and then you're actually like kicking it with them and you're yeah. like, what are these, like, where is the disconnect and why, and I was like, why do you think this disconnect happened and is there a disconnect? And he was like, he said to me straight up, he's like, dude, Beal and Wall like sit next to each other on the plane very often. Yeah, so it was exactly. like they sit at each other next to each other, like they pick. We're on the bus going to the arena, and they'll like be talking to each other next to each other. So if there's just like my side, your side, corners of locker room kind of stuff, which yeah. I believe does happen and, and stuff, or you know, and I don't know if they really socially hang out that often, but and then you don't have to either. You, don't, you really they, do they, not they, have they, to they, socially they, hang yeah, out. That doesn't matter either. But when it comes to the work, how is your work relationship? And I think that. This has been misconstrued that the work relationship and professional relationship, even though they're young, is strained and somehow going to spill the court, which is what I'm saying, definitely is not true. Now, is there an alarm or concern? Or like Rashad mentioned on the podcast, they start playing poorly, start doing bad, so I'm going to bring this right back up. Oh, I'm going to point you it. You already know how right? If one of them, If one of them is struggling, is this going to happen? But, you know, Markeith was very honest, and he talked about, you know, the media is going to say what they're going to do. They had nothing really to write about. I thought that was true. Then he says, "Hey, people get in fights." I still, I think it was it was Archie Goodwin. Was the guy? Uh, Archie, Archie Goodwin. Yeah, but then Archie Goodwin was like sad when he got exactly, traded. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah, he had like glowing things to say about Marquise. Yeah. Now so. Marquise has some other off the field issues and some off the court issues and stuff that kind of fuel this narrative. And he was, you know, he wanted out of Phoenix and he was being negative. The meat, you know, that just bring up all these other four or five things. And so that yeah. that visible thing you could show 
that conflict was bringing up all the other stuff that was exactly. going on. Exactly. Yeah, I think. Thing. Yeah, I think. Yeah. By the time Markeith left Phoenix, you know, all of those things kind of culminated to a head. You know, his relationship with uh, Jeff Hornacek, his relationship with Archie Goodwin. I mean, it was just a you know a firestorm. And at that point, I think that you know people were going to next thing you know they're going to talk about he's got beef with anybody, everybody walking into the arena. You know that. It got to the point where the relationship was just so toxic, and I think that you know the fact that you talked to Markeith, he you know has been he, in some of he's very introspective. He was very he was very introspective. He was very honest and introspective with yeah. him too. He wasn't giving cliche answers, and, and I could see in his facial expressions that I knew that he was saying was like oh, man. very yeah yeah, yeah exactly like, like, like they're so, cool coming like, coming from a guy who's been through you know the worst situations yes. that you could possibly be in for him to you know have. An attitude that you know is not alarming as far as the Wall and Bill's relationship. I mean, I think that's a very good sign as far as you know. If he doesn't think it's a big deal, I don't think anybody else should really be looking too much into it. At well, this the point. the other one that I wanted the opinion of because all the players I would actually ask are no no longer on this team, like a Garrett <laughs> yeah. Temple or yeah. even yeah. Alan Anderson. Yeah, yeah. I would I would actually ask this question: Was Gortat because he's okay. been around and now Gortat now isn't. You know, he's in Poland, he's not around there, but he's been around these dudes enough over the last few years. Hell, he's probably gotten yelled, I mentioned this before, he's probably gotten yelled at by John Wall yeah, more, more than, than anybody, more than yeah, anyone yeah. on the team. Now, he said some stuff, and I need to go back and listen to it again, and you know, he said the, the normal thing, like, they're cool, and they talked it out, and we're a family, we disagree, and those things. Now, he did say something, I need to go back to that, that kind of piqued my interest, like, like there was an incident, like there, there was, was an, there, there was, like, was an like, incident. Like, like, it almost like <laughs> was like two cannons, and like he hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he hit it back in. I was like, did you just reference like there was some like blow up or fight, but you're not actually referencing an individual thing. You're trying to talk in general yeah. terms, but you're saying like, what? Oh, they're over that. <laughs> something like that. Like oh I was like, goodness. but it, but is your English just your? Because his English is good, but are you just like mixing up your English? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, no, I like, think- so I couldn't I couldn't really get the sense of that. But did you? Hear any other thing from any of the players? I get a chance to talk to uh, Ubre or Porter, which yeah, they, no, were, I, they were those guys are young. I mean, Porter maybe has something to say, but yeah, Temple uh, would be the one to actually ask. If yeah, you're yeah, the truth, he was the, the he's really best the, friends with both of them. Exactly, exactly. No, I, I really honestly tried to stay away from the whole wall and build discourse, yeah. and, like asking that to other players. As long as uh, some of the media members try to, you know, downplay the narrative, I think the players will. And I think, you know, this this will probably all go away until until they start losing, until somebody makes a, a smart Alec comment, you know, in a post-game press conference. But, you know, I, I honestly don't see that being an issue uh, going forward for the season. Wall and Bill have both proven that they're hungry and really they... They were willing to put aside any differences to focus on, you know, the best interest of the team in winning. And I think Bill, especially knowing that, you know, he kind of has a lot to, uh, you know, a lot of expectation to live up to now that he's, you know, gotten his, you know, max contract. And I think there's different too is that, you know, Wall's a pass first point guard. Exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, a little, it's, a little, it's a little different when. You know, sometimes I wish Wall was a little bit better offensively. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah. need a bucket, yeah. but it, but his strength is literally to create opportunities for other people, like, and he knows that, and that's where his bread and butter is. Now, can he get to the hoop and get some stuff, especially in transition? Definitely. Yeah. But he knows that, and who is the guy who's the best shooter that he's going to try to create opportunities for is him. Exactly. And so exactly. I, I, don't, I don't know how this really manifests in anything on the court at all. Yeah. No. Even if they hate each other, let's just let's go with that. They hate each other. 
How does that manifest? I, I don't, think I don't that think uh, I think that naturally uh, both of their skill sets kind of fit together as backcourt mates. Wall is you know a very aggressive defensively. He's pass first. You know he he's like like the quintessential pass first unselfish point guard. Bill is kind of proving himself to be and trying to establish himself as a good shooter. And he's also working on kind of trying to distribute the ball. But the, their their styles of play like fit very well together. You know, Bill he has gotten to the point where he his, his skill set. If if he just kind of lets Wall do his thing, like he is going to be put in the best position for him to be successful. And I think that you know deep down he realizes that he he realizes that you know John Wall literally sets him up in the best possible position. He, he I mean John Wall is the best point guard in the NBA when it comes to setting up three point shooters. And Bill fancies himself as a, a lot good three-point shooter. He's got a lot of people paid. Exactly. He's got a lot of people paid. So, you know, as Bill, he fancies himself a three-point shooter. He knows that, you know, this is the best possible situation for him. That, you know, last year, I know we were just earlier talking uh, off the mic about the, the San Antonio game earlier from last year. Probably and, the uh, highlight of the season. The highlight of the, the, highlight of the season. It's, game first seven. Of all, game first of all, that's not a good indictment right there. That the highlight of the season was in uh, November. I, I'll give credit <laughs> Connor Dirks a truth about it on that one. I think he actually said that part. I stole that from him. Yeah. True, though. I can't think of another. Because there really was no real high. Because we just... Lose, win, losing like never like long losing streaks, but never long winning streaks. Like, exactly, like, man. But I mean, I think that that moment right there was what a blueprint as far as like what the Wizards should be doing with their team. Like Wall is the creator; he can set up the play, and Bill's job is to come in and be the finisher. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know Wall, you know he 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 is a good finisher, and he has done a great job of putting the Wizards in the best possible position in the end-of-game situations over the last few years. He even realizes that, you know, Bill has a lot more uh, versatility and options as far as end-of-game situations and be able to create his own shot or being able to finish, you know, you know off the catch-and-shoot. And with Wall's specialty being dishing and, and driving and setting people up, it's kind of a, a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. So I think that as long as both players stay within themselves and stay within their roles, I think that this relationship will have a chance to bud and build going forward. Yeah, I'm working on a long piece with Beal because I have a bunch of good quotes that I got this summer from his brother and his, both his brothers and his friend. And, and so I asked Brooks a question at the press conference because I've been lazy and haven't wrote it yet. And, <laughs> and, and, and asked him about Beal. It's like, what do you, you look at a talent like Beal, what do you want to do with him? And yeah. You know, what kind of sets, I didn't really get into, you know, too meta of, of a question, just more of a general ask, inquire, and he said, make other teammates better. That he's been teaching Bradley Beal to make other teammates better, which obviously means off the dribble. Right. You know, if we want to even get more more into it, second unit, Bradley Beal's got to be the scorer in the second unit. You know, late first, early second quarter, before he gets a break in a wall, sits down, and he is kind of the number one option. Right. You know, the same in the third and fourth. Whether that happens, I saw him working with his trainer, step backs. You know, he got a little better shooting threes last year from an analytical standpoint. Free throw line is another thing that Brooks has been emphasizing Ooh. with both of them. And not only free throw line, Bradley Beal should be shooting 90% from he free throw line. He should be. He should I did not ask that question in that setting. I would be like, but I, he didn't mention that. Now, Brooks was talking about getting to the free throw line better. 
Yeah. You know, Paul Pierce did it two years ago, and he actually has gotten more. They have not, they've not gotten better. And so he's shooting like in the set in like mid seventies, like seventy eight. It's like yeah, you yeah. have like the best stroke. Like you should be eighty five to ninety percent. There's no reason. Like Kyle Korver shooting ninety some percent, like you're shooting like seventy six. Yeah, I mean, and Bill like, has the literal the the perfect basketball shooting yeah. stroke. Aside from getting the line more, exactly. I think it's which a, he did a little bit. He but. did, he did. He's attacking the basket a, a little bit more. I think that you know that his uh, free throw shooting percentage is probably a testament to the, the mental aspect of going to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that. You know, Bill is probably going to get more comfortable with as he kind of you know develops into his role as a franchise player. Something that is very concerning, you know, regarding his uh, his his free throw stats. But I mean, I honestly, if he just gets to the line more, I think that I would be very satisfied with that going forward. Talk about bravado and the alpha dog. He mentioned he wants to be all defensive team. Oh, Bill, he, yeah, 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 he wants the team. He said that he wants to win fifty games. Then he stopped and was like, no, I want to win the NBA title. Exactly, <laughs> I was like, exactly. I was like <laughs> why stop there? Keep like, going all the way. I was like, wow, do you know that we have a little 50 games? Nah, uh, I mean, uh, honestly, like, though. We're working on almost four decades before we win 50 games. But hey, why not? Why not? Why not? Wait, wait, what, what, do you, what do you want him to say? Do you I want know. him to just get up there and all. say, hey, we, we want to be very mediocre this Put 100 year. bucks in Vegas <laughs> right now. Put your money down. I mean, hey, if... if if, if Bill believes, I mean, I think that, that that's just a great sign as, you know, his level of confidence going forward. Like, what, what do you want your, you know, star yeah. players to say? Just being honest as far as what he sees the potential of this team. and Or maybe he's not being honest. Maybe he's just blowing smoke up everybody's ass. He has little, to have I think, that I think it's confidence. a little both a little bit. It's, it's, yeah. it's probably a combination. But like I said, he has to have that confidence. Yeah. You know, it would suck. I would be pissed off if he got up there and said, yeah, he'd just be happy to, you know, get the eight seed and get above 500 mm-hmm. and be mediocre. Like I said, Wall and Bill, they're both hungry. I think they've they've proven, you know, they're not in this to finish the season in April and, you know, be going home and vacation hard all summer. Like, you know, they, they got a taste of the playoffs over, you know, the, the few seasons beforehand. And I think that they're going to do everything within their power to get back to that point. I asked him the leadership question again. It's part of the piece, um, like I said, I'm trying to write. You know, people keep asking about how leadership, you got the contract now. Mm-hmm. You got the big money. Obviously, that comes with responsibility. It comes with a natural sense of leadership. I didn't mention the whole the whole tension between you and Wall, but you're out here saying these things, man. Yeah, <laughs> and I right, basically right. saying that you're the, you're the alpha dog. You're the man. I'm fighting with the all-star guard, and I haven't made an all-star team. I'm outspoken, either maybe socially, like he was out this summer, which which I applauded. And then last year, he said those comments in Sacramento, got frustrated, right, right. you know, being more outspoken. He's like, ah, man, like what? But what specifically are you gonna do? Like it's one thing to say yeah. these abstracts and you make these moves here and there comes, but what specifically are you gonna do to be a leader? And he. He basically said to me, he's like, I just got to play well, man. And yeah, I stopped talking. Yeah, I and so think, then I was like, all right. I think that's when I mentioned it's a little above. But right, I right, think he's right. like, he's going to say these things. He's well-spoken. He says in these platitudes that sometimes I get frustrated with and I go off on rants that don't really mean stuff. But he's not. He's still a bright kid. Yeah. And he knows at the end of the day, like, yo, man, I got to play 80 games, you know. you know, And it's not just about this money and this stuff. It's like, yo, I like to play basketball. I want exactly. to be on the court. And I want to be this best player. I'm doing this for a living. I'm young. I've been a prodigy in a sense. 
you know, I have this family structure supporting me. That's been awesome. I got this whole team, you know, training. I'm the best shit in my life. And I just got to go out and ball. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like that's what really his answer was in that sense. Like, you know, so I'd say be like, oh, I'm going to be more vocal. I'm going to tell Kelly to shoot some more free, yeah. free throws after a line. No, it's just kind of like, I got to go out and show it. And exactly. It was a sense of like to back up some of these words that he's saying. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's definitely more of a Bill style. Like. I know that, you know, there's all different uh, forms of leadership. You know, some people, you know, get by being vocal leaders. Some people, you know, try to lead by example. Some people yell at, you know, their teammates or players or mm-hmm. co-workers. Bill is the type of person that his best form of leadership would probably be just going out. And like he said, playing to the best of his ability, letting his play on the court speak for what he's trying, for the message that he's trying to get across to his team. Whereas I think John Wall is a much more, you know, a vocal leader, emotional leader, you know, kind of rah rah. Feeds off the, the crowd. Yeah, feeds off the crowd and confrontation. Exactly. Exactly. He's all about confrontation. Bill's not really a confrontation type. Yeah. Of no, not not to say that Bill can't call a player out or yeah. that he shouldn't do that. He leads by example, and his play on the court will will get other players inspired. And, you know, and when he's running is, eighty feet to block a shot from behind, exactly. What exactly. more is there to lead or say? I'm just showing what I've done. You know, and, and there's a lot of inspiration into into quiet leadership. And I think that you know this team probably needs both aspects if they if they want to you know actually reach the level that they're aspiring to be. That is great. Now we have just talked about John Wall and Bradley Beal forever. So let's just go through every player and just say a little little okay. blurb. Okay. I will start because we've got a lot of new faces on this team. So we just talked about the main two players. Ooh. Andrew Nicholson, I talked to him. For those wondering, he does not say much. Yeah. Very monotoned. <laughs> uh, very Canadian. Yeah, very, 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 very quiet. <laughs> Answered, you'd be like, so Kyle, or <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, I think Kyle made the Canadian comment. That's what I was thinking. So, Troy, how was, how was your weekend? It was good, man. It was great. It was great. That's it. It was good. I'm looking, looking forward to Monday. No, he, yeah, looking he, forward to Monday. Yeah, he was one. It was good Sunday. No, I'm like, oh, you got anything more here, dude? Yeah, he's really like, making the most bland. Like, cool how, do you like, how do you like DC? How do you like living here? Yeah. Oh, it's a good city. I like walking around. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Andrew, I took a bike share. Actually, yeah, he said he took a bike share. You did mention he took a bike share. Yeah, it was the dorkiest thing that he's done since he's been in DC. Yeah. He said he got on the bike share. So, yeah, surprisingly. Former Grantland SI rider, Big Wizards fan. He did. Yeah, yeah, man. He was there. There, man, and uh, surprisingly, uh, Nicholson said he actually uh, was able to fit on the bike share. So that's a that's an endorsement for for them right now. That was, the only, <laughs> that was the only thing interesting I got out of it. Literally, the only interesting thing that he had to say. He was talking about uh, his time at uh, St. Bonaventure. And, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, one of the reporters is from St. Bonaventure. Yeah, yeah. So they were the talking about an intramural ball. <laughs> Yeah, Aaron, but, if Aaron White was on the team, I would have just talked about Iowa. I would have hijacked that for Iowa uh, Hawkeye talk for sure. Yeah, no, but I mean, well, going back to Nicholson though, uh, this will probably be it. But I think that it'll be good to see, you know, how his three point shot develops playing with a point guard like John Wall. Peyton, Peyton L. Depot are really point guards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, I mean, you know, Peyton, I guess a little bit, but he's. You know, yeah, yeah, he he's not on the level of John Wall, and especially John Wall's specialty being creating three point opportunities for players. I want to see a high you know, pick and roll, pick, pick and pop, pick and the ball. pop, and see if he's able to kind of expand on his game a little bit. And I mean, he left Orlando after his rookie deal, kind of uh, as a disappointment. I don't think that you know they can say that they were completely satisfied with what they got taking no. him in the lottery but you know this is a fresh start for him and i think that 
you know, it'll be very interesting to see. Well, he's still see. a young player. Yeah, I mean, he's still very 26, young. 26, right? Yeah, yeah. And his, his he got for four years at a decent deal. At a decent rate. I like it. I think he's, you know, I think he's the perfect backup power forward in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. Our level of expectation for him isn't extremely high considering that we already have Markeith Morris in that spot. Any production that we get from him will probably be seen as kind maybe, of an added bonus. A yeah, bit. no, if he can make some plays on the second unit, maybe, you know, play a little bit more if guys get in foul trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of my expectations I have for him. Yeah, that's what, which is, you know, about the level of expectation that, you know, we should be putting on Nicholson. You know, if something, you know, God forbid, Markeith were to get injured or something, I don't know yeah. if Andrew Nicholson would be capable of starting yes. at the power forward for the majority of the season. He's a more than capable backup for the Wizards. Well, let's go to let's power. go to a player I have really no expectations. Jason Smith. No, oh, I, I, I didn't even <laughs> like the Jason Smith signing. I, I don't know why they did. I think they gave him way too much money. I don't understand why they gave him three years of guaranteed contract. His are there. It's already done. I'm just gonna probably carp and bitch. Probably will be the last time I do this, especially <laughs> whenever Jason Smith does something poorly. I'll probably have a furious of tweets. Uh, I'll have a bad game, and I'll just be like, great, another Ernie Grunfeld, uh, great sign. Glad we have him for one year deal. Oh, no, we have him for three seasons. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this. It's not going to be a good sign if 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 any game this season comes down to anything that Jason Smith did. That That's not going to be a great sign. Then why sign. the hell do we have him on a three-year deal, then? Oh, my right? goodness. Okay, I, mean, right? may, I mean, maybe he's uh, going to come in and be that good veteran presence. and uh, Well, let's go back to it. So I, I, I can shoot. Well, let's let's have my, let's have my human interaction with him. I enjoyed talking to him. He was yeah, a really nice guy. Exactly. He was exactly. a nice guy. He was introspective. He talked about rebounding, defense. We emphasized. I asked him about his, uh, you know, the style he wants to play. You know, people talked about his pick and pop. That's what his bread and butter. He said in the league. That's why he's pretty much getting an NBA paycheck. Hey. That's his game. Didn't really talk about the three pointers. Then I asked him about DC and stuff, and he's living in Bethesda, and the traffic's bad. And I was trying to tell him there's no real good way to get from Bethesda <laughs> during rush hour to, Bethesda, Chinatown. to Chinatown. I was like, yeah, no, he's like, no he's way. Them all. He's like, I, <laughs> he's like, he downloaded the, wa- the, the, the Waves app, so he's been doing that. And okay, I was like, okay. I was like, well, I was gonna be like, yeah, just get on the red line, bro. But you know, you know, no NBA player wants to ride that, yeah, ride that metro. But actually, actually, it'd be a lot. You actually faster. recommended the metro to, I, to I, someone. I, I, like, I was, I was, <laughs> Well, I know, especially the red line. Oh, God forbid. I was, I was on, I was on the single tracking today. It was oh awful. man, yeah, yeah. Metro, <laughs> Metro. They're they're about to be completely out, man. They, <laughs> anything, anything with Jason Smith? And with you, I have no idea why he was signed. This is the reason why these people are paid uh, money to make decisions like that. You know, he's just sitting there waiting to uh, break the glass in an emergency situation. If the Wizards were to end up in dire straits and they needed a veteran presence to, you know, plug in, maybe start for, you know, four games or however many games in a row, I think that could come in and and be, you know, a a suitable replacement level player. People are kind of over, have overblown his uh, shooting nature. I think, you know, he's made his living on, you know, rebounding and, you know, just being a, you know, high IQ basketball He's got six fouls. Yeah, he's got got those six fouls. And he knows how to use them. So, you know, he has a high basketball IQ. I actually remember uh, he's made, he's sneaky athletic. Uh, He made some nice plays, nice blocks uh, in, in his tenure in Orlando. If they have to break the glass in case of emergency on on Jason Smith, then you know that'll be great. But otherwise, if we if we spend more than the five minutes we spent talking about Jason Smith during the things season, have gone poorly, and things have gone very very poorly. So <laughs> that is a great point. Now another player 
that actually is, could be instrumental in this season. Or I would say instrumental because if I had rank him, he's hot. He's way higher than Jason Smith. Is is Trey Burke? Trey yeah. Burke is signed. One year deal, obviously a disappointment in Utah in the sense of being a lottery pick, being the college player of the year for Michigan, having some great NCAA tournaments, a lot of, lot of high hopes for him. Things have not did not materialize in Utah. Some people are still high on his talent. I'm a little bit less. Mm-hmm. The tweener sense. I mean, yeah. too small. He's, he's, he's a score for he's, he's a score. Almost, first almost, almost a J- poor man's Jamal Crawford, Jordan Crawford type ish yeah. for people out there with the Steez. Oh man. No, or in the sense where he's not a true point guard. I think Jordan Crawford probably a little bit better passer, honestly. But not a, it, but Trey, Trey Burke was probably more of a, a Jamal Crawford type, where but couldn't really, from my sense. You know, didn't watch him too much. Didn't have the didn't have a great three point percentage. Wasn't right. really that big of a point guard. Now now was on the all rookie team, I believe, as a right, you know right. fell out of favor in Utah because they went to a different direction. You know, drafted yeah, yeah, Dante Axum yeah. who got hurt and a new new coaching staff. New, you know, a lot, a lot of changes. And he talked and he talked about that at the end of the season. He was you know the odd man out. Obviously, he still was a high pick. He still has talent. He still can play. He can still play in this league. But we're gonna to have to need him to be that backup for yeah. John Wall. I know that you talked to him. What was the sense that you got from him? He seemed very uh, optimistic and very interjected this season. Yeah. You know, lack of you know making fun of cliche stuff, but like honestly, he didn't seem to be dwelling too much of Utah. A little focus on this opportunity of Washington excited to play next to a player like John Wall. You know, Bradley Beal. You know, he's gonna have a role. I mean, he, if exactly. he plays well, he's gonna be on the second team. He has a chance. You know, for a new contract. No, you know, I, people were trying to, were kind of pigeonholed. Are you fighting yourself in this league? He could be out of the league next year. In the he NBA. could be. He could. But be. if he plays well, he you see this money. He establish himself. Yeah, and make he a could. Career out of this. He could make a niche. You know, where? Yeah. But where is his niche? What do you see? He's obviously talented. What sense did you get from him when you when you talked to him? Well, I got a chance to talk to him, and I think that uh, he is very self aware as to you know where he is right now, the position that he's in, as far as. He could be out of the league next year. He could establish himself as a... You didn't come know, across as like bitter and I got screwed. Yeah, no, and no, like, no, no. I don't think, I don't think he's like that like, at all. No, like I, everyone's out to me against the world. Kind no, of time, no, right? no. Not, sometimes you get that sense of people that are drafted exactly. high and they're like, oh... Exactly. Pointing blame at everybody else yeah, except themselves. Sounds, yeah. No, I think He did that, take some responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. He took a lot of responsibility for how his situation played out in Utah. Said himself at Media Day is that it's good that he has a defined role right now. He knows... That you know, John Wall is a, an established All Star, so there's no you know point guard competition. There's no pressure on him going into the season as far as you know an open competition for his playing time. He literally knows that he's the backup point guard. His job is to you know do the best that he can with the second unit, not have the the ship crash when John Wall you know sits mm-hmm. on the bench. The fact that he's self aware as far as where he stands is a very important thing for him. You know, mentally being able to focus and hone in on everything that he needs to do as far as, you know, staying in his role. Being in in Washington, I think that he'll it'll be great for him to learn uh, under John Wall. You know, maybe that'll help him distributing skills, you know, getting others involved. And, you know, he's already a natural scorer, something that he has in common with the backup point guard from last year. Whereas, you know, Ramon Sessions wasn't really, you know, great as far as, you know, getting other, you know, players involved. 
But if you, you know, just get in the game, you play 16 minutes a game, you know that you're going to get plenty of opportunities. Trey Burke is not going to be shy, you know, attacking the basket. Good free throw shooter. So he's he got can, some range. He's got, he's got some range. He's not really the best three-point shooter, but I think that he has confidence that, you know, there isn't a backup point guard in the NBA that Trey Burke is going to be intimidated by as far as, you know, the matchups go for the season. Wall... You know, it, it's been his uh, on-off numbers for the last few years. You know, when he's not on the floor, the Wizards have not done well at all. Trey Burke, his job is to literally just make sure that, you know, they're just not getting blown out of the water when Wall is off of the court. Comfortable within his role, and he's he's ready to, you know, take on, you know, a, a leadership role of, of a second unit. Mm-hmm. The backup point guard situation hasn't really settled itself out mm-hmm. yet. But I think he definitely has a major leg up on Sadoransky because he's played in the NBA and he's run teams before. He has a better understanding as to game flow and how everything's going to be. You know, he has a good opportunity in front of him. And, you know, he seems to be in a great place mentally to, you know, fully take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. What I like to see from him is is whether or not he can run this offense on the second unit. Right. Now, you mentioned that maybe Ramon Sessions at times wasn't that good, but he was so much better than all these other ones we could have. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and, but the thing is, but it wasn't just like, could you run the second unit offense better, but then what what attribute do you have that it, that is valuable for the team? Ramon Sessions was getting to the rim. Getting to the rim. Yeah, he <laughs> got a lot. Now, granted, he couldn't finish a lot of times, and it would make us frustrated, yeah. but he, he had the most... I think it was like top in the NBA for from bench for, players, uh, yeah, free throw yeah. Teams. yeah. It, I mean, he, he figured he out the uncanny. So, he has a, so what is so what is that attribute that, that Trey Burke is going to bring? And then also, you know, can he run the team? And then also, if he gets hot, can him and Wall play together? I mean, he can play off the ball. Trey Burke's hitting; he's feeling it. Hey, let's let's play Wall Beal and him. You know, yeah, and, and yeah, one no. time let's, let's do some options and and have some stuff with lineups where. We're going different ways and not just have these things. And so we're, we saw with Wall and Sessions did okay together. Yeah, they Small did, doses. They did. Small but, doses. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know where you can have those options of like, okay, this night, this guy's feeling it. Let's do this other thing. Instead of just like, all right, we got Mike James who's just going to play behind, you know, like, yeah. or some, you know, AJ, AJ Price. Yeah, Jump on, we're going to play together. He's just going to play those 15, 20 minutes a night. And that's his role, and that's it. Whereas, like, hey, maybe Trey Burke plays 30 minutes tonight. Yeah. You know, right. maybe, maybe he doesn't. And so I feel like that is something that I'd really like to see materialize. Whether I can play defense or not is another thing. But yeah, I yeah. I think, well, I think Wall's versatility will help them if they were to be on the court at the same mm-hmm. time. One attribute that I really like about Trey Burke is he is a very good ball handler. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a very underrated skill, and people just assume that every player who plays point guard in the NBA dribble. <laughs> can dribble the ball. Until you see, you know, players who literally can't get the ball past yes. half court when you put a uh, full court pressure on them. As, and as far as Garrett the Temple, Wizards, comes, Garrett Temple comes, oh, Garrett, Garrett, if Garrett Temple, if Garrett Temple has to dribble the ball yeah, more than five it, times, yeah, you know, yeah. that that was a you know liability in past years. You know what Trey Burke brings to the table as far as his ball handling skills will be a you know huge asset to this team who quite frankly is uh, not stacked with ball handlers you know he automatically becomes the the second best ball handler on the team mm-hmm. and that might be a weakness that this team has 
you know, as far as having players who, you know, are able to pound the rock and literally dribble themselves out of situations without, you know, freezing up and having to call time out or, you know, making a, a stupid turnover. His ability to be able to handle the rock and dribble out of situations will be an asset that will help out with the second unit who, you know, like sometimes struggled last year being able to you know, the defensive get, pressure, or get right? into the offense before there's not seven seconds left on the shot clock and now you're just Especially trying to scramble. like Boston that, exactly. that pressures the ball. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they pressure the ball with their guards, you know, Bradley and Smart. Yeah. You know, they you need people who are able to get by that pressure and make smart decisions with the basketball. He's ready to do that. You know, as long as they keep a, a, a limited role on what we're expecting from him, mm-hmm. um, you know, if he is able to kind of control his natural inhibition to you know let it fly yeah i think you know he'll he'll, he'll have a oh, we're uh, gonna revisit trey burke for sure <laughs> i'm sure there's gonna be some nights we'll be like yeah man yeah, I mean, i'm sure i'm sure not really offense at all yeah. shooting at like 16 seconds in the shot clock and i'm gonna be pissed i'm sure there's right. gonna be nights where he he's probably like three in a row exactly, from like carrying feet. the offense yeah, yeah. on a tuesday versus Philly. yeah like uh, <laughs> what, what a signing grubfeld exactly or a trade there's a trade right uh, what, what a move all right, that wraps up part one of my discussion with Troy Halliburton. Go check out part two as we break down further all these new players on the team and our experiences from Media Day. Thank you, everyone, for your support. And as always, go Wizards. Peace out. If I'm a rapper, she's a bad bitch. Hey, I would sit behind her in my classes. Yeah, I used to love her some stupid. Stupid. I used to love her something stupid. Yeah, I don't know if I remember where she lived now. And even so, it's not as if we would have fit. Oh, yeah, she was wild. I was different. We was kids then. And this was way before my love for cannabis. Wow. And I was waiting on a ride that never did show. And I debated back and forth among my friends, though. But see, these roses turn from red to black again now. You cut that shit out, you stupid fucking roses. Hey, you stupid roses. Hey, you stupid fucking roses. Hey, you stupid roses. just invalid i used to try to never do this yeah i do this but everything i try was useless caught the contact again caught the contact for more caught the call call it out cut the signal come on send the satellite off airplane mode that yo you'll be rollercoaster cold if you ever grow that rose yeah like i got it girl i can't be fucking with you no but maybe magnetic is our only MO. I never did level with mine. Till she sat across from me, my curiosity coiled like a snake around a finger. Like another bouquet of these fucking roses trying to duck the motion. But they know me better. Fucking missile crisis. Shoot me out the blue and blend me in direct. Cause she can read me too. She'll never tell a soul. But someone beat it to it. Saying Rome was lost, but it was not a ruin, ruin, rah, rah. Anyway, <laughs> I just stand there holding a dozen of these roses. Yeah, these stupid fucking roses. Hey, you stupid roses.
Oh.